Saturday to you all. I hope you had a great day. It is the B.D. Freeman Show. I am B.D. Freeman. It's nice for you guys to be here. I mean, it's nice for me to be here, but I'm happy that you guys are here. Did you lose weight? Because you look amazing. Um, so uh, I was just thinking of something I could say that was funny at the beginning of the show, and then I figured out what it is. And here's what it is. If I was on death row and I knew I was getting the electric chair, here's how I'd get my revenge. For my last meal, I would ask for two pounds of popcorn seeds and, and, a, and a big container of olive oil. Take that, Justice! This, this, yeah! Popcorn coming out of me everywhere. Yeah, that was right on the electric chair. That'd be amazing, right? What a way to go out! There'd be no one else. I gave somebody in the audience a free candy bar and they still looking at me like I'm pregnant and it's yours. Like what you <laughs> It's like, wow, gee, give me a smile here. Um, on this week's show, we are lucky enough to have Kevin Stagger of, Cog of Grand Concourse Films. He's going to be talking to us about his upcoming projects. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun night. Everybody get ready. Go to the bathroom. Get yourselves all washed up. Get yourself a snack, and then come on back to the Beanie Freeman Show. We'll see you in a minute. It's the Beatty Freeman Show. Yeah! It's the Beatty Freeman Yeah! It's the Beatty Freeman Show. going to be moving next year all right so uh we did a uh we did a, a thing my wife is here in the audience and she decided she said uh for your segment this time i want to give you a question and you can't look at it i'm going to put it in your back pocket and then you have to give as many answers as you can on the board so I said, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, hey, it's a new show. We can do anything that we want. So I said, well, let's do that. Plus, I'm very, very afraid of her. Help me. <laughs> uh, so uh, here it is. Here's what she wrote. Oh, God. <laughs> Love you. Yeah. 
<laughs> what do men say that women don't understand? Okay. Let's see. How's this? Perfect. <laughs> there you go. For those of you who can't see what this says, it says everything. Everything. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take a stab at answering this. Okay, what do men say that women don't understand? You want, was it five answers? All right, number one. Uh, women, when women say, what are you thinking? This is what men are thinking. <laughs> and when you say, are you thinking nothing, you can't be thinking of nothing, we go back in and we look and we're thinking of nothing. There's nothing that we are thinking of. You see your computer, how it gets stuck and the arrow goes round and round and round. That's what's happening in our brains. There's nothing going on. We're thinking of nothing. I promise you. Okay, let's see. What's, what else do women do? Okay, that was one. What else do women do? Oh, two. Oh, this, this is a tricky one. Uh, uh, women always ask, does my butt look big in this? Uh, that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. Uh, it depends on the woman. So, yes. And no. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Guys, be careful. That's all I'm saying is be careful. All right, what do men say that women don't understand? Oh, women never is it. I just needed to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I just needed to talk. That's why we're on the phone at 3 o'clock in the morning talking to someone else because we just needed to talk. Women are on to that. Uh, and the, oh, and the fourth thing is, okay, God, you made it really tough. Five things? I'm a really good husband. You have to understand that first. Like, I'm totally on the women's side in this whole thing. Uh, help me learn. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, let me talk. Uh, oh, oh, gosh. We really mean this when we say this. I, I, I promise you, I'm not lying to you. I don't want to go to Ikea. <laughs> I promise you, we, that is what we meant when we said it. We're not trying to start an argument. We're not trying to be mean. We really, really, really don't want to go to Ikea. Okay. All right, and I got to think of one more here. Uh, oh, and when we say, when we say, I'm sorry, Lori. Hey. <laughs> Please <laughs> don't kick my ass. <laughs> I really, really mean it after I did this today, Lori. Even though you'll have to watch it again. Uh, 
I'm really sorry. Please don't kick my ass, Lori. Every man actually means that. Right, men? That's true. Oh, thank you. All right, so there we go. That's what five things of what, <laughs> what men say that women don't understand. I, uh, she's laughing now, everyone, but believe me, it's a trick. Uh, okay, when we come back, we're going to be back here with Kevin Stagger from the Grand Concourse film. It's going to be a real good time. We're going to have a great discussion. Everybody, sing it all. I think, you know what, I think you could have put a little more heart into it. Man. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, next time. We're lucky tonight because we have with us a filmmaker who is, he's not exactly local, he's, uh, I know he's here out of Vegas, but I know that you're here, you're in and out a lot because you got a lot of projects going on. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome filmmaker, black filmmaker. I'm sorry, white people, I'm just trying to say, black filmmaker, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Sager. <laughs> yeah, at first when you said we have a filmmaker, I was like, who? Where? Ah, <laughs> you're our guy today. So Thank listen, where, where were you born? In... A hospital. No, I'm just joking. No, um, in the Bronx, Bronx, New York. Oh, really? So is, is that where you grew up? Is that where you're from? Where I grew up at, yep. Oh, okay. Now tell me how you made your way from Bronx, or what, start, what started you interested in New York and even thinking anything about film? Films? Um, when I was about 15 and 16, I used to always carry a camera with me, the old ones with the VHS, and yeah. I'd always carry a camera with me, and I'm just filming anything and anybody. And I would make these little stories up and I would have friends and family play in it, you know. And wherever I went, I always had a camera, you know, to that the point where... It must have been where, pretty expensive. How'd you, how, did, you, did you get like a, a, like a part-time job kind of thing? No, or? no, no, no. My parents were, they had money. Oh, okay. <laughs> My parents had a little money. They wouldn't have got me a camera, I'm going to tell you. Well, you know, I'm glad they... They got one of those that ching-ching. Yeah. You know, no, uh, no, no. I had the VHS <laughs> with the shoulder things. And the funny thing is I'd go around friends or family and my cousins in the Bronx and I'd go around their friends and I'd just pull out the camera and start filming. They're like... Hey man, is that your cousin with the camera, man? Uh -huh. Like, yeah, yeah, he can't be coming around here, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, always filming something, man. <laughs> yeah, that was me. So then it just, one of those things, it just kept going and going and going. And my first job was at Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. Okay, tell me how that came about. Uh, and, and how old were you when that, when that happened? How much time had gone between you first getting that filming camera uh -huh. and, you first, and you landing at, at SNL? Three years. Wow. Yep. So this is a fast move. How did it happen? The security company that I was working for called me and said, hey, you want to work at Saturday Night Live? And I'm like, yeah. And, and I think Eddie Murphy had just came out with uh, the Beverly Hills Cops of 48 Hours, one of those. So I was like, yeah. So I went, took the job, and I started working there. Wow. And I worked there for two years, and Eddie and I became boys. And it was funny because the first time I seen him, the guy that was training was like, yeah, you're going to meet Eddie Murphy. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I seen him coming out of the elevator with the bodyguards and he had the Prince ruffled shirt on and I was okay, like... 1999 year. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's yeah. Eddie Murphy, man. 
And then he came up to me and the guy introduced us and he said, uh, Eddie, this is Kevin. And I was like, how you doing, Mr. Murphy? And he said, <laughs> Mr. Murphy. <laughs> That's a good invitation, man. <laughs> so, so now you were doing security there then yeah. for, S, for SNL. Mm -hmm. So uh, now were these still the wild years? Because, uh, because for me, when I first came to Los Angeles, geez, back further than that, when, mm -hmm. I, when I was in the Midwest, I'm from a little town called Racing, Wisconsin, and I studied at a place called Second City. And so we all worshipped at the altar of John Belushi and Chris right, Farley, right. you know, and, uh, uh, you know, so Saturday Night Live was for me, well, for all of us, but I know definitely for me was like that I yeah. wanted to be there. If I, if, I, if I wasn't doing SNL, I wanted to have my own show. Right. I was going to be one or the other. Okay. And... Uh, where the hell was I going with that question? I have no <laughs> idea. I think you just brought. I think you brought up some pain or something. Like that. <laughs> I never did get SNL, you know. But 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 oh, I remember I was going to say. So, but uh, those were pretty wild years in the beginning years. Now, was it still wild there then, or was, was no? Were I came in because you because you were, Lauren had left when you came right, in. Right, it, it was. was um, uh, Ebersol was working. Dick Ebersol. Yeah, was working. It. You want to know what's funny? Until when when everybody would leave. I would go on the stage and, and, and act like I'm doing my thing, right? Ah. And one time I was on the stage and I was doing some stand-up and I was killing myself because I only when I was laughing. <laughs> and I happened to look up and I saw Dick Ebersol, his office was over there and I seen him looking out there, you know, and he was looking at me. Mm -hmm. And it was like one of those things, I was like, yeah, and then the catch, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped the mic and I took off and I was like, then when I got back, I was like, damn, that was my shot. He was probably looking at me and could have said, hey, I love you, and, and yeah, I just walked away from it. Oh, yeah. don't worry. He didn't like you at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people did that. You know, Conan told me that he did that, mm -hmm. that he used to go there when he was first uh, uh, writing for yeah. SNL, that he would go uh, into the, uh, only into Johnny's. Okay. Yeah, and he would go sit behind Johnny's desk and spread out, and he'd write there. Right. Jeff would never go sit with him. But Jeff always sat in the audience, but yeah. Conan would sit at the desk. Yep. So, yeah, so I, yeah, everybody had those dreams. I, I would have been up there. I'd have been yeah, right there I, was, I just knew it. And I worked there for two years, and it was, it was like the well, best part. What was it part. like? Was it, did, it, did it fly by? No, I met everybody that you can think of. Yeah. You know, that came on Saturday Night Live, and Ed and I became really close to the point where we used, he used to call me the fat Michael Jackson because I used to have the curls <laughs> hanging right there, you know. And he used to call me the fat Michael Jackson. Hey, where the fat Michael Jackson at? And I was like, should I answer him? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm over here, man. But uh, it, was, it was fun. I met so many people and I learned so many things. One of the things was, okay, I can't stress enough. My brother Milan stresses education. And I can't stress enough because... Eddie was the one who introduced me to quiche. I didn't know what a quiche was, mm. you know? And every night, they would put things in his dressing room. And I'd come in there and I'm like, you don't need this, do you, Eddie? He's like, no, go ahead, take it. So I'd take all kinds of stuff. And he said, take that quiche. And I'm like, what the hell's a quiche? And then I found it was eggs and the, the whole quiche thing. You know, I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know what's funnier. I don't know if it's Eddie eating quiche or you eating quiche. That's well, funnier. He me. didn't eat the quiche. He gave it to me. Oh, he well. He take the quiche. Please tell me the there wasn't no white people when you was in there going, can I have that? Can I no, have no, no. Food? There was no white people in there. Okay. You did yeah. it right there. Yeah, yeah. I was we, like, we, that's We don't want quiche. nobody. 
<laughs> I got ate the quiche, and I was like, "Wow, oh, this is." How was it? How was the quiche? I love that you take the time to think about it. Yeah, because I'm like, well, did I like it or not? I don't remember. You know, I've never had one. Wow. We got to get your man a quiche, man. Wow, man. That was some, wow, you like really came down on me hard with that Yeah, man, because, you know, I thought you knew. You ain't had no quiche. You going to have a, you got your own van and you don't have a quiche. No, I'm just saying. I feel really empty now. I'm going to run out and eat a quiche right after this. We need to get this man a quiche. So what happened after, so what well, I left when Eddie left. So you, okay. And that, so like, uh, where, well, where, where, where did the road take you after? He was getting ready to go on tour. Mm-hmm. And he had, they asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like with the girl I was dating at the time. And she was like, I don't want to go here. All of this. And I gave up going on tour with them to move to California. Uh-huh. So I moved to California. And there I started getting into the acting thing. And every time I would drive up to Hollywood and I would see the Hollywood sign, I'd get like a little high. And I'd be like, you know, yeah, yeah. and whenever I see any film crew or whatever, I'm parking, I'm pulling over, and I'm talking to somebody who knows somebody. Right. You know, I'd go up there and be like, hey, how you doing? Are you, uh, Phil told me to come see you. I'm like, Phil, you know, and they're like, okay. Phil. Yeah. Phil. Everybody knows Phil. Phil. Just had to be a yeah. Phil, right? Come on in, swim in my pool. So, <laughs> Make love to my wife. Go ahead. Yeah. So I jump in anything you know that Phil. I see. Everybody knows Phil. <laughs> Everybody knows Phil. But I jump into anywhere I see film, and I was also going to be in um, what was that movie with Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. and he was a cop, uh, and Danny Glover. Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Is he right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Danny Glover. Yes. How right? oh, dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I was testing you to see if you were ready, but yeah, I was going to be in it right in the side. They, they were doing the scene, and you guys might remember this. It was a scene where. Um, Mel Gibson was on the roof and he's about to jump with the one guy. With the guy you're saying he's going to jump. So I ease myself into the crowd, right? The director says, and go, wait, cut. And he goes, tut, tut, tut. and everybody looks over at me and I'm like, God damn. <laughs> right? Next thing I know, dude comes over and he says, come here. I go, I'm like, hey, what's up? He said, um, who are you with? I was like, Phil. <laughs> Phil's name went a right. long way from here, didn't it? <laughs> he said, who you with? I said, I'm the casting company. He said, oh, okay, yeah. He said, um, you would have got away with it, but this is a winter scene, and you're in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. Damn that, Phil. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, they, yeah, they kicked me off. Oh. Yeah. You were almost in Lethal, well, you were almost, almost. I was almost there. In you Lethal know? Weapon. Yeah. That's so, okay. What made me get into directing was I didn't like the I way they treated. I haven't gotten to that question yet. You got to stay with me. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know more about. Uh, so during this time, what brought you back to the camera? Well, I never left the camera. I just had to figure out what it is that I wanted to do, and I realized mm-hmm. that I wanted to be in front of the camera, and mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. You know, but then I didn't like the way people got treated. Hmm. Yeah, they treat the the background people. Right, right. I didn't like the way they treated them, you yeah. know. And I've had many experiences where I was with learning the extra, how to do it. I call them background. I don't like extra because extra just seems like, you know, no respect, mm. right? Okay. So I'm on this set, and the one guy's like, man, I'm hungry. And I didn't know the rules of filming. Like the actor, not the, the leads and the crew all eat first, and mm. then everybody else eat after because they got to get back. Right. I didn't know that, mm. right? So... I'm there on the set, and this guy is like, 
I'm hungry. I said, man, go over there and get something to eat. And he's like, but they said the crew first. I'm like, get that, man. Go eat. So he went and grabbed his, he went to go eat. And we're standing there talking. And the guy says, um, comes over and he says, hey, aren't you one of the extras? And he's like, uh, yeah. He's like, yeah, you eat with the rest of them. And took it and dumped his food. And I was like, wow. If that was me, I'd have been beating his ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, it just, it just made me realize I, I don't like this, the way they treat people. Yeah. Right? Uh, there was another scene where I had just bought this really fly. Okay, I didn't really buy it. I got it from the rights. But <laughs> they, um, <laughs> let this marinate. It'll happen. It'll come. It'll go on you. No. <laughs> He's still thinking about Phil. <laughs> Apparently, Phil knows where the trucks go, and you go where Phil goes. Exactly. So, so <laughs> I'm on the set of this movie. Mm -hmm. and the guy tells me what's going to happen, and they, it's a protest movie. And they post a weird protesters, and they throw this fake blood onto the windshield wipers, mm -hmm. right? So I'm standing there, and I'm yelling at the car, and they turn the windshield wipers on, and all the blood comes on my new shirt, right? And he's like, "Shilly." <sighs> I go talk to the director, and I'm like, yo, look at my shirt, man. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah. So anyway, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to... <laughs> and I'm like, wow, they just treat us so bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that and along with a lot of other stuff made me say, you know what, I want to be behind the camera, do my own thing, mm. you know? So for, so, so for a while then, you did background acting mm -hmm. for a few years? Yep. That, yeah. You know, I know some people, uh, there was a couple on a show that I was doing who I would see them every single week. And finally I went over to them because they were always uh, with the background actors. Mm -hmm. And I, whenever I'm working on a project, I always kind of slip over to the background actors because I'm always looking for characters, you know? And, uh -huh. and so many of the background actors want to, they want to act so badly right, right. That, they're, that they are sort of characters. And I can pick, oh, well, I'll pick that out and I'll use that sometime. Right. But there were these two people. It was a, a man and woman, both a black man and woman, and they had been uh, background actors their whole careers. Yeah. And they had, uh, they had gotten their cards. They got their, their, uh, their, their SAG after cards. And they put their kids through college, bought a home. They did everything, all of that from, from background right. acting. Wow. And they just said that they just really liked it that it was just something that they were, they didn't want any more from it. They didn't want to secretly be a right. star or, or be the lead. They just liked being background actors and they, their whole family through wow. school and I, college I and the whole thing like that, yeah. which I thought was pretty wild. But most people I hear who have stories, you know, like yours, that, that there is a lot of mistreatment. Oh yeah, man, people, it's, it's, uh, it's the way they do them, it's just terrible. You know, it's just, it's just terrible. I don't know if it's changed. You know what I mean? No, I, no, not really. I mean, I think <laughs> I think that probably some of it has changed because yeah. of uh, social media, but essentially, I think it's still the probably same. still the same. I don't know. I'm I'm still the same. I'm still you know I don't I if I find somebody interesting, I don't care where they're sitting. If you're a background actor right. or not, you know, I'll go over and and meet people. And they it's funny because they always think that like, oh man, baby, like you got it. So it's like I'm. Just like you, but it's but they it's I don't know it's a weird thing. People don't think, think somehow that uh, uh, being with your feet on a, um, a spot where you're filming a TV show or a movie somehow where your feet are you're more important. Right. It's like nah, 
you know, I'm not, I'm just, you know, this is a team effort. Yeah. You know, if you weren't here, then we couldn't film this scene. So screw the right. Exactly. Yeah. Without them, like, like, uh, you know, you're nothing because that's yeah. that's the real bullcrap to me. Yeah. And that's they were supposed to clap that with, uh, like, yeah, BD, yeah, that's right. This, there's somebody in the audience here. You guys aren't getting to see her, but she's really giving me this eye, like, you gonna get me that child support? You know. <laughs> Um, now tell me how you made your way out of background acting and get and got behind the uh, camera again. Well, I I bought a camera and it was a newer one, the digital one, hmm. and I started making a movie. I started writing a movie and I used my kids in it. Oh, you know, okay, yeah. And your and kids were how old? Five and eight. Ah, so they worked for Underscale. Good job. They they work they work <laughs> for Taco Bell. Oh wow! Yeah, they work for Bub Scale. <laughs> I would have done it for a homemade hamburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did it for Taco Bell, man. Okay, you know? and it was, it, that was my first thing that made me get into it. And you know, I opened up a photography studio and I did that for a while. Oh wow! And that, let me tell you, was very unsuccessful. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> not, well, well tell, tell, tell me about that. Tell me about this photography studio and, and well, how, how you opened it and why was it so unsuccessful? Okay, so one of the things that I realized that things happen for a reason. So I opened up this studio on Gower. I believe it was Gower, mm -hmm. right? And I used to go into this alley and I would shoot. I used the alley as my backdrop and everything. Yeah. Off to the side was this house. Mm -hmm. Right, and I'm shooting there all the time and everything. Turns out that that house was the Bowfinger house that Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin shot that movie Bowfinger in. Mm -hmm. And I'm shooting right there at the house all the time. Yeah. Not even knowing that that's the house, you know. Mm -hmm. So the the photography business was, uh, how would you say it? Probably would have been more successful if my mindset was set on that's what I want to do. But my mindset was on doing other things as far as like making movies, right. writing my own stuff, being the guy who's taking the food from, hey, aren't you with the ex? Yeah, give me that. You know, no. being, you know, not that guy, wow, but wow. no, 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 I didn't want to be oh, that guy. Yeah, so you were like, I'm taking all of your food no, away. No, no, I'm the guy that will walk in there and be like, so I can't get in? Yeah, I'm going to buy this whole place right now. Okay. That's, that's what I wanted to be. And my mindset was always on that, you know. Mm -hmm. and Too bad for that Taco Bell. Hey, <laughs> everyone's out of a job all yep, of a sudden. Yep, yep. No, <laughs> I'm buying to just be brothers and sisters up in there. Welcome to Taco Bell. The Biddy Freeman Show does not rush the standards. <laughs> we we love everyone here. <laughs> not everybody. No, <laughs> no, no please. please no. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. So it, it was just my mind was on filmmaking. Yeah. You know what I mean? I started writing and, and, and all this stuff, and did I always felt that. Did you read up on anyone? Did you read up like yes. Spielberg or... Uh, no. I read on uh, Robert Rodriguez. Ah, yeah. Yep. And I read about him, and I was like... He had great styles the way that... I was like, was. yeah, man, I could do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that was real, that was real guerrilla filmmaking. That was real guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I met him once, which was really cool. I thought his book was really interesting, and I told him how interesting I was with his book and how, you know, he's an inspiration, he's a role model, and he's like, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> well, 
Wait, it's nice. And it, it was is, nice. It is nice. It yeah, is nice. he was like, thank you, man. It's nice. Now, yeah. I'm in the middle of a conversation. You mind? <laughs> you know? I was like, That's okay. You got to say it was yeah. nice. And there you go. But you want to know the funny thing is? Yeah. I was selling my own movie, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm at the restaurant, at the store, and I have my son with me, and I have his movie. And I'm like, yo, go, go. That's Robert Rodriguez. That's the dude that did Spy Kids. My son walks up to him and says, hey, I have a movie. And he said, oh, okay, thank you. And my son says, it's five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. Right. That guy, that, that kid needs to be in charge of your hey, finances. He, there. there you go. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's like, it's five dollars, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He knows what's going hey, on. Hey, you guys got to sell it. So, so what are you working on right now? Um, my weight? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, what am I working on right now? Oh, I'm here in, in L.A. doing a movie. Oh, you, you, you said like you just walk up to it. Well, like, no. Oh, wait. <laughs> this isn't New York? Damn, I'm supposed to be in L.A. right now. I forgot where it was, to be honest. <laughs> I forgot. I, was, I mean, you know, I live in Vegas. Yeah. And yeah. I, I forgot that I was in L.A. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to go home. and But no. Um, I, I know. I do that, too, though. When you travel a lot, yeah. you start to forget where you're yeah, at. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm here doing a movie. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. is this a movie that you wrote? Yes. Oh, right on. Yes. Can you tell us anything about it? Or? I have 23 scripts. This movie is about... Um, human trafficking. Mm, heavy subject. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, people are asking me about it. And uh, I have a couple of movies that are out, and people like the way that I write. Because I wanted to ask you about that. I wanted to ask you about what you were doing first, but then I wanted to yeah, jump back and say, yeah. because you have a few movies already yeah. that are out there. And um, what I wanted to know is how can we get a hold of them, like uh, how, the audience and the people. You guys want to know? You want to see them? Yes. Yeah? yeah? Okay. <laughs> just give us your handles and, hey, it's and, we'll, and we'll be putting them up. No, I'm just joking. We'll, we'll, we'll be putting them up. We'll be putting them up on the screen so that, so the people will be able to, as you they're see? watching it, they'll be able to see it right there right. and write it down. So just let us. What, what are your handles? Uh, on Tubi, it's uh, what? When you say handle, what do you mean? Uh, it means your like address of where you go. www. Oh, man, I don't have any of those. I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Right. Uh, your shows, that, but your your film right now is on Tubi. It's on Tubi. Okay. I have three movies on Tubi right now. Your one is called Lost Vegas. Okay. Lost Vegas. Okay. Other one is called Family Blood, and the other one is called One Time. Okay. And then I have another one coming up called Homework Bound. Okay. Yeah. All right. And 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 so the three are on Tubi. Yes. You know, which I which which I hear is a pretty cool cool network and yeah. then you have the other one that you're working on mm -hmm. right now well Tubi has most of them they have those three mm -hmm. but also Maverick Entertainment has one time which is on Amazon Hulu uh, not Hulu I'm sorry uh, Tubi Roku all that stuff okay well, yeah. let me ask you this what is what, what's the journey like between getting the film done and getting it sold getting the film done man is is honestly it's a lot of work. I mean, all those movies that I've done, I've done by myself. As a cameraman, as an editor, as a director, as a sound guy, as a caterer, as the... I've, I've do it all, you know? And it's, it's hard, you know? But I'm just used to doing it. You know, there comes a time when you as a, as a director have to... They say trust somebody to be your vision. So you can sit in the chair and you can go, action! And you've got the guy with the camera and you've got to sit there and watch the monitor and hope that he's getting what you wanted. You know, 
I have not reached that part yet to where I can do that. Mm. I have to be behind the camera. I have to see what's going on. Right. You know, and when it comes to the editing, I know what I want because I wrote it. Right. You know, so I know how it goes and this, that, and the next thing. You know, I know what the character looks like when I imagine him writing him, you know. Mm. So that's when it comes to the casting. Right. You give it to this person, and they go cast, and I'm like, yeah, that's not the guy. You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it, I haven't gotten to that point where I can give it up yet. Mm. But, 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 uh, but, uh, uh Hmm. Let me see. Business-wise, uh -huh. what is the process that you found yourself going through? Like, we, you've got the movie, the movie's done, uh -huh. and now you are going to sell it. Right. So you sold yours then to Tubi. No. My first movie went to Maverick Entertainment. Okay. And then, uh, you know, they saw it, they saw the trailer, they loved it, and they called me up. It was a guy named Robert Parham hmm. who saw it. He's also with Maverick, and he has a lot of movies on Tubi. Mm -hmm. And he actually sent my movie trailer to Maverick and told him about me. And then they called me, and they were like, hey, yeah, you know, we want it, and this, that, next thing. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 before that, I had went through a lot of stuff that a lot of filmmakers, creative people go through, which was, this was the homelessness thing, uh -huh. you know. My first movie, I edited in my car wow. and at McDonald's, you know. And then when it was my turn to get my kids, my two sons, we would go to the movies and we'd sit there in the theater all day and all night. If we watched one movie, they, would, they thought something was wrong. Mm -hmm. you know. So we watched three or four movies and stuff like that. And there, I learned that I was watching movies totally different. You know what I mean? I was watching movies like why the camera moved, why this person said this, and why this happened and everything. I was breaking it down. Everybody else was laughing. And I'm sitting there like, hmm, look at the extra in the shorts. That's me. There he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm catching all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So then um, when I would do these movies, I'd do them and I always wanted to, I would always pray that, I mean, I get out of this car. All I want to do is just be able to do movies. Mm -hmm. You know, don't have to work. I mean, because when you're doing what you love, it's not work. Right. So not having to work, but just doing movies is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I needed somebody to just say, hey, we'll give you the shot. Now, that had to be really tough to do with, uh, with two children living in a car. Well, I got them, you know, it was my week or whatever, we'd go do something. It was only for a little while. And then I got like, um, I personally lived in my car for like about a month. Mm -hmm. And then, but I would all, my sons never knew. You know, we'd go to the movies or whatever the case may be and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's funny because one of the producers of this new movie we're doing took us in and let us, you know, live with her and everything. Wow. Yeah. So I think I was still doing a the movie then when I when I finished it, but yeah. So yeah. When well, the, you got some cojones, my friend. Why? Thank you. I'm pretty you proud know, of you. And I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, that you're out there and that you're making those films and that you're you're you know moving forward, always moving forward, always moving forward. Too many times we we end up hearing stories about the person who gave up and what happened in them giving up, yeah. you know, destroying them. So it's really good to hear the story of somebody who didn't give up but kept trying to find a way to make yeah. it happen and make it happen and make it happen. Yeah, you got I'm to. glad to have you on the show, I'm man. I'm not going yet. I'm not going yet. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here. <laughs> will, you come back? will you come back and visit us again? Of course, man, of Absolutely. course. I've got to bring new movies, man. My man, okay. I want to see them. Come on. Kevin Stagger, everybody. Guess what? That's it for the Beauty Freeman Show. It's all over. It's all done. 
I think we ended for the first time on time. So wait a minute, I don't know how I feel about that because you know it's like well, we ended we, earlier than we need to be. Well, you know because you were so perfect because you were so perfect. Hey, everybody, listen. Uh, next week we have uh, Lori Kathleen Freeman will be on with her book next week. You don't want to miss that one. I am Beanie Freeman. This has been the Beanie Freeman Show. Love you guys, and remember, you're only in an interracial relationship if you are dating a chicken or a horse. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm in an interracial date. <laughs> <laughs>